welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. So we are in week four of our All In series. So for the first three weeks, we've talked through the, what Nehemiah had, had, had did during, during his time, and we talked through uh, the, the, the faith that he had, and we talked about the, the obedience, and we talked about the, the work and, and what was driving him and what was pushing him. We walked through all these different things that we talked about, and, and the fact that, that he... He, he walked in victory, right? That he, last week we said the victory is ours. The victory is given. And so he went through against all of this, this, this uh, attack against him and people coming against what he was trying to do and trying to belittle him and tear him down. And yet he persevered and continued until he saw the work completed. And so I, I want to do something a little bit different today. I, I kind of want to recap, but in a different perspective and with a different lens over the last few weeks. Today is a big day for Grace Hill. Today is a day that can set us up to begin to see dreams fulfilled that God has placed not only in my heart, but in the hearts of many of you here today. Today requires trust, obedience, and above all, faith. So we, our series is all in. And the, and the definition, you can actually look up the word all in in a dictionary. It's funny because I'm like, I didn't know that they did like hyphenated words in the dictionary, but it's there. And it means fully committed to or involved in something. This is not my definition this is Google's definition, so this is legit, right? That makes it official. Anytime Google has something out there, you know it's true. Some of y'all caught that. Some of y'all caught that. Fully committed to or involved in something. Have you ever been so involved in something that you didn't think twice about doing something, just going like, hey, they've asked me, I'm just going to do, right? You don't even think about it. You go, I'm so committed. I'm so all in that I'm just going to do. There's no hesitation. There's, there's no, no, no thought process to it. You go, this is what I do. I've been asked to do this. I'm doing this. I'm going, right? When I was in, in college, we used to go down to Lake Whitney all the time, and there's a lot of uh, like high cliffs and stuff you can jump off and things like that that nature, and, and we'd jump in the water, and it's, it's deep and stuff. And most of the time, the places where we would go jump from, they were about 10 to 15 feet. So nothing really scary, nothing too severe or anything of that nature. And the water would be 20 feet deep there or whatever. You know, so very safe, nothing to worry about. One time, a friend of mine came and said, guys, we found this spot that we need to go jump off of, which, right, doesn't that just sound like a brilliant idea? Hey, we found this really awesome high spot we should go jump from. Yeah, great. And so me being the sophomore in college going, yes, I am going to prove that I'm all in with these guys. Like, I am committed to being with these guys. We're going to hang out, and it's going to be the best, and it's going to be awesome, and these guys are going to know that I am just as cool as they are. And honestly, there were probably, there was probably a girl involved in the equation, right? And so I couldn't, couldn't not jump if we were going to go do this, right? So we go down to Lake Whitney. We make the hour and a half drive or whatever it was from our college where we were at. And, and we show up to Lake Whitney to our normal spot. And the guy said, now follow me. So we start walking and we go over like a, a fence, which should have been our first indicator that it wasn't a good idea. Uh, and we keep going. And there's a sign posted that says, do not jump. Violators will be prosecuted. And we keep walking. And I'm going, what are we doing? And where are we going? But I'm all in at this point. I am fully committed. And we get there. And he goes, here it is. And I go, oh, great. It's about a 65-foot cliff uh, that we go and we stand on the edge. And I look and I think, have we checked for tree limbs? I don't want to become a shish kebab. Uh, <laughs> I'm only a sophomore in college. 
So that thought process lasted for about 30 seconds. And I was like, let's do it, right? Because I was all in. There was no real thought or hesitation. And the first guy that went, I watched him run and jump, and he does a gainer off of it. And I was like, you are at another level of not right. And so he... His name was Eric, and we called him Porky. And so Porky took off running, and he jumps, and he does this like backflip gainer thing. And I was like, that only added more fear in the moment. But yet, I was like, I'm committed. I'm here. I've made this long journey through the woods and everything. And I finally, and I go, and I just jump. And at some point, when you back up and you take off running, you know, I can't stop in time. I am committed. No matter what, I better go fully, because if I just make it over the edge, we're in trouble. And I jump, and I go for it. And while I'm falling, I had time to think through the rest of my day and to plan out my life. Uh, and I'm thinking, am I ever going to find the water? And about five seconds later, I did, right? That's how it felt. I mean, I felt like I was in the air for an eternity. And I finally hit the water, and I was up to the surface as fast as I could, which took a while, because when you're falling from that high, you go pretty deep. But it was an incredible feeling of saying, you know what? I am fully committed. And at some point you go, the rush and the adrenaline of it all was totally worth it. Luckily it had been scoped out prior to me getting there and they knew it was safe and they had checked for things. They're like, don't land over there, land over here. And I was like, oh, good. That's true. Part of the story. But I found out that by fully committing and saying, you know what? I am all in. I'm going for this. That if I would have said no, I would have been the only person, not that this is the, the matter or the peer pressure of it, but I would have been one of just a handful that would have had to make the, the climb down the side of the cliff to get down to the water with everybody and miss out on the experience of this incredible adrenaline rush and jumping in. And today we have an opportunity to go all in. The entire campaign that we are embarking on is about being fully committed and involved in what God is doing and in and through Grace Hill. If we're fully surrendered in our hearts, then we need to be fully surrendered with our lives and our giving. I want to look, like I said, I want to look with a slightly different lens today at, at the story of Nehemiah. And this will, will kind of be in chapter two and chapter six today as we, as we talk through uh, um, where, we are, where we are today and what we're doing. And, and the reality is this, is either we're going all in or we're not. So the question today is, are we all in or are we content to stay where we are? Or are we content to stay where we are? The first thing this morning as we get rolling is this, Nehemiah had God dreams. Now here's the deal. Um, I would venture to say that all of us at some point in time in our lives, we have had big dreams, right? You've had thoughts of like, you know what, I'm going to do this with my life. I'm going to do that with my life. Here's the deal. I'm a dreamer. I can sit and dream up the biggest things and the craziest ideas and the biggest, really, I, I can think and dream of things as though they are already. And I do it in, in so many phases of life, in so many areas of life. We can go and sit in our backyard and I can dream out our entire backyard, right? And if I had about $100,000, we could be done and my dreams would be fulfilled, right? So we don't, so therefore the backyard is gonna have to wait, right? So it's one of those deals. But, but it's, I can dream anything. I have so many dreams about Grace Hill and 
where we're going and what we're doing. And I can see down the line as to where we are going to end up. And I've got things and ideas and thoughts. And, 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 and just trust me, there's some big ideas. Some of these I've shared uh, from, from here and just the idea of wanting to plant churches. I want to plant 25 churches as a church. I want to see churches all over the city and all over the surrounding areas. And, and I don't need them to be called Grace Hill and, and Campus West and East and North. I don't need, I just, I want to see the kingdom of God expanded, right? So I, that's one of my big dreams. I've had other dreams that I've only shared with Lauren and maybe a handful of other people. I have big dreams and I can see them and I know they're going to happen because I'm going to pursue them and I'm going to run after them and we're going to make it happen and we'll knock down walls on the way if we have to and we'll combat whatever comes against us. We're going to get there. I'm a dreamer. I can dream with the best of them. And I got that from my father. I remember being a kid and uh, sitting with my dad in the car and we were driving and we were actually headed to the church and we get there. And my dad said, hey, walk with me. Let's dream a little. And I remember as about an eight or nine year old kid thinking, how are we dreaming? We're wide awake, dad. And he said, no, 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 we're, we're going to go imagine things. We're going to dream up things. We're going to envision things. We're going to see things. And that began to instill this, this desire to dream in me as a child watching my father dream and, and things that, that he dreamed up. And he had this whole idea like, hey, we're going we're gonna to build this over here and, and that over there. And so then I started dreaming. So as an eight-year-old kid, I was like, I'm going to jump in on this dream thing. So we're going to build this thing. And I was like, I know what I can do. I'm going to get a Coke machine. And people could start buying Cokes from me over there. And I said, and then I'll be in charge of the Coke machine and I'll make enough money. This is eight-year-old. I'm going to buy a golf cart so that I can carry all of my sodas on the back of the golf cart, drive over to the other side of the church, load it up, and then drive my golf cart back. The, really, there was no point in the golf cart, but I was dreaming, right? My dad was like, why not? And I was, you know, he instilled this in me like, yeah, dream, dream a little bit, go for it. Nehemiah had God dreams. So there's a difference between uh, just, just normal dreams and God dreams. See, Nehemiah 2, verse 4 through 5, because we need to get into the word of God today and not just tell stories all day. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says this, the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. In chapter one, it tells about how, how Nehemiah's brother comes to him and, and he, he asks him, how's the city, how's home? And he tells him how bad it is. And that begins to stir in him this desire that something needs to be done, something needs to happen. And we know that we have a four-month gap between chapter one and chapter two. And in that time, he's praying. He's praying and he's praying and he's praying. And God is stirring things within him. And God is beginning to impress upon him what he needs to do. And out of that begins to birth this God dream. Not just a Nehemiah dream, but a God dream. There's more to dreams than just this, this human dreams, right? And the things that we go, oh, I could do that. That's like our backyard, right? That's not a God dream. My backyard is purely human dream. That's just for me to walk out and be like, I am really proud of my backyard, right? Like, I want people to come see this so that they can be proud with me, right? Or jealous, one of the two, right? And so, you know, it's like, that's a, there's a difference between a human dream and a God dream, right? And so, so a human dreams are things that, that we can do on our own to make us look good or feel good about ourselves, right? Maybe so that our name can be lifted high. God dreams, dreams that require divine intervention in order to see completion, 
All God dreams are designed to bring glory to God so that his name can be glorified and that others will praise him for the work that was accomplished through him. That's what a God dream is. They require divine intervention to see completion. Human dreams are things we can come up with on our own and we go, you know what, we can make this happen. We can do that. It wouldn't be much. It wouldn't take a whole lot. We could, we could knock that out in a hurry and look how great it would be, right? Those are human dreams. We, we look at them in the natural sense and we say, through my own ability, through what I'm capable of, I can fix that. I can do that. If Nehemiah would have said, hey, I want to go fix about a hundred yard stretch of a wall, it's a human dream. Because they go, okay, you'll be back in a couple of months. We'll see you later. He said, oh yeah, I'm going to go do that real quick. I'll be back. That's a human dream. Nehemiah goes to the king and says, send me back so I can rebuild the city. That's a God dream. When I look at Grace Hill and I see where we are and I go, man, I I have some things that I look at and I I laugh at myself for the dreams that I have because I go, that's ridiculous. These dreams are too big. These dreams are too much. And I stop and realize, wait a minute, no, these are God dreams. These aren't Ryan dreams. The reason it kind of scares me a little bit or, or catches me off guard and makes me laugh at my dreams is because I go, man, I'm dreaming through, the, through, through God in this moment. This is the Lord speaking to me and saying, this is what you pursue. This is what you run after. This is how this church will be used and how this church can be effective for reaching and expanding in the kingdom of God. You know, wanting to build a wall around an entire city without seeing the extent of the damage without having a team, without having a plan, uh, with, with enemies that, that want to stop you, knowing that it has happened once before, that they have shut it down in the process of trying to rebuild, and, and looking at it and going, okay, there is actually no possible way that this can happen in the natural because everything is stacked against you. And then going to the king and saying, this is what I want to go do. That's a God dream. When everything around you says you can't, And God says, do it. That's a God dream. Nehemiah had God dreams. I would say this, that God puts dreams in all of us. God wires us for specific dreams and for specific purposes. And it's a matter of tapping into the leading of the spirit and what God is saying and how he has wired you and has equipped you because he's gonna begin to stir those passions in you and those thoughts in you to say, okay, this is what you are for. This is what you were created for. This is why I have placed these dreams in you. These are God dreams. And you look at it and you go, I don't know that I could ever do that. I don't know that. And God says, oh, but with me, you can. But with me, you can. The second thing is this, Nehemiah, had a big team. We talked last week about how everybody has a job to do. And, every, and we all do. We all have a job to do. We all play a part in the kingdom. And that may not necessarily be fulfillment of the dream, but we all have a job and a place here in the church and, and, and things to do. But the reality is Nehemiah would have never accomplished the job without his team. He couldn't make it happen on his own. He needed others to accomplish his dream because he had a big dream. That's the thing about God dreams is he usually gives us dreams so large that we need others to make it happen. You know what that does for us? That keeps it from being about us. When, when we stop and God says, hey, this dream I'm giving you is huge and it's so large that you're gonna have to rely on others around you. That way, you're not glorified. In the end, God receives the glory. In the end, God is lifted high. In Nehemiah chapter two, 17 and 18, he said, then I said to them, 
You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. And y'all know I love to do word studies and look at this up. So I looked up the word we in the Hebrew. It's astounding. This is remarkable. It actually means we. If you ter- it's a direct translation. The word we in Hebrew that is used in this context actually means we. Do you know what that tells me? Nehemiah is specifically using inclusive language, meaning it's not me by myself. I can't make this happen on my own. He's saying, I need you. In order for the dream to be fulfilled, it is a collective work together. My love, and they say, and they said, let us start rebuilding. They didn't say, go for it, Nehemiah. We're behind you 100%. No, they said, let us start rebuilding the wall. Like, we're going to go do it right now. We're going to make it happen. So it requires, God dreams require a team. God dreams say that, that you can't do it on your own. And here's what I found is in the world of motivational speaking, a lot of thought processes stem from the teaching of Aristotle and the idea of finding your why. Why in life? What is your why? What, is, what, what gets you up in the morning? Why do you get out of bed? Why do you go in the mornings? Why do you do what you do? Why, why, why? Right? It's finding your why. Finding what, what it is that makes you tick and, and makes you move. And so the why ultimately becomes our driving force. It what, it's what gets us out of bed. The why moves us from caring about something to fully committed and devoted to something. Doing whatever it'll take to make it happen. For the people of Judah, it was building the wall that surrounded their city to protect them. They realized that the, their purpose and their time and, and their, you know, the reason for being during this time period is because the walls of Jerusalem had laid in ruins at this point for generations. And so they are now there and Nehemiah comes along and says, this is our why, this is our purpose. We're here, we're gonna rebuild the walls. We're gonna pull our city and our people out of disgrace. And we're gonna have this, this protection from our enemies and from the surrounding. And he says, this is our why, this is our purpose. And they begin to rally around the why and they begin to realize that, that this isn't just Nehemiah's dream, but this is the dream that God God is placing in all of them the purpose that he has given every single one of them. And they begin to jump on and rally behind him. It was more than just building a wall. It was fulfilling their purpose. It was fulfilling their God-given dream and stepping into their why. What if today God is calling us to seek out our true purpose for his kingdom? That's the difference between volunteering and being a part of the dream team. We use our words intentionally because we want you to understand this is more than just a, hey, we want you to come and serve here. No, we want you to be a part of the dream. We want you to be a part of making the dream happen. See, there's that, that shift in thinking, that shift in mindset that goes from we just serve and we just help out to, no, we help make the dream happen. We are stepping into our why and the purpose for this church within the kingdom of God. One person can't do everything. There's too many things going on every single week. I remember one time we, we were years ago in our earlier years in ministry and we were trying to figure out a way to get people to jump on board and get involved. And so we made this video 
and it was one person doing everything at church. And it was hilarious. It was really funny because you would see her, her name is Amy. And so you would see Amy in the parking lot and she'd be like helping people in like, oh, good morning. And then they would come walking in and then there was Amy opening the door at the greeters. And it was like, oh, hi. She's like, good morning. And then she was at the, the doors in the auditorium and he's like handing, a bo- uh, handing the bulletin or whatever, you know, and she, they're like, oh my word. And then she's up there leading worship. And they're like, how... And then they go, and they're like, oh, I need to drop my kids off. And they go back, and Amy was back in the nursery. It was just this really, this really funny thing, right? There's too many things going on for one person to do it. You go, that would be impressive. Um, and, the, you know, you would need a serious nap after church, right? You're like, whoa, I do not feel refreshed in the least bit. Why did I go to church today? You know, it's one of those kind of things. So it, there's so many things going on. Yes, it takes everyone. Not, not one person can do it all. Not one person can give all the money. Wouldn't it be awesome? If we could go, hey, that person gives everything and we don't have to think about giving, right? But it wouldn't be biblical, first of all. You know, we're, 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 doing, we're about to launch into a campaign today, and this is, this is Commitment Sunday, where we're trying to raise $50,000 in 52 days to do incredible work. It would be the neatest thing in the world if somebody goes, hey, I want to write a check for $50,000. That would be great. It'd be awesome. I wouldn't tell y'all so that you could still give, because uh, I don't want to restrict, I don't want to restrict your faith. As the pastor, I don't want to limit what God wants to do through you. It would be foolish on my part, right? Golly. That's not in my notes. Anyways, but God is calling all of us to play a part in fulfilling our why. Why does our church exist? Our church exists to be a place to belong, to become like Christ, to be light to the world around us, all for the sake of changed lives. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. This whole campaign, this whole all-in thing is so that we all grab the vision of the dream of what God is doing and that we all move together. This whole thing is about the vision of the church. I'm gonna talk about what we're gonna do with the money again here in just a minute. And I want you to understand that everything we're doing is about fulfilling the vision of the church and the dreams that God has placed in this church and he has placed in my heart to lead us into. God has placed each of us here for a reason, to do more than we ever thought possible. God is leading us into greater things, but we all have to go all in if we're going to get there. And I say this, I think we can make a pretty good team. I think we can make a pretty good team. Are we all in, or are we content to stay where we are? Nehemiah saw it completed. It's number three in your notes. Nehemiah saw it completed. I've already stated that I'm a dreamer, right? And, and that I love to dream. I envision, th- I see things as, as though they are, right? I, I, can, I can tell you, one of the things I love to do is to dream up things and then backtrack from there and go, okay, how do we get to that? What steps are necessary? What systems do we have to have? What people do we need? Who do we need to pray in? Like, we need this person that has an expertise in this. Okay, I don't think we have that yet or whatever. We need to pray that person in or, or that we need to pray them to save, right? There's, here's what I've found is that, that all the talent and everything that we need uh, in the kingdom of God is outside of the walls of the church and we just need them to find Jesus and then get connected, right? Everything we need uh, for the kingdom of God to move forward is just waiting to find Jesus and it's our world anyways. So, so I think through those things and through those terms and I go, okay, how do we get to that? Here's, here's the cool thing about Nehemiah is that Nehemiah saw the dream of the wall completed. He's able to see it completed. Some of the dreams I have probably won't see them fulfilled in my lifetime because they're too big, right? There's just, it doesn't even make sense that, that my life would be lived long enough to see some of these things completed that I have, things that I haven't even shared. You go, okay, what are you talking about? Like, I think we'll see 25 churches planted. Yes, I think we'll see our church expand and grow and be, be impactful in our community and in Lake Highlands. I see all those things happen. There are other things beyond that that I go, 
that's going to be multi-generational. Uh, that, and, that's just gonna be, and, that, and that's a part of, of dreaming. But, but Nehemiah was able to see the wall completed. He was able to see it finished. Um, in fact, if we read in, in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 16, it says, So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul, which is a month, uh, in 52 days. They completed the entire wall in 52 days. I wonder if Nehemiah ever, in his dream, placed a timeline on it. I wonder if in his dreaming and in his thought process, if Nehemiah ever said, you know what? I think in one year we can complete this wall. I've seen the damage, and he goes and assesses. He said, I wonder if in one year, if we can make this happen. There's a lot of messed up spots. There's places where the wall doesn't even exist anymore. You know, and a lot of what we have, you know, I love the part where they say, uh, it's, it, they've only completed it just a little bit, and the, and the enemies are like, uh, I've seen what they've built. A fox could knock it over, right? Essentially like a family member of the rabbit could knock this thing over, right? And it's essentially what they're saying. And, and so Nehemiah, so that tells us that the damage really was vast. It was huge. So I wonder if he goes, you know, in a year, or maybe he was like, you know what? I, if we really get after it, I bet in six months we can finish this wall. If we really work hard and we just really, you know, stick our nose to the grind and make it happen, I think we can really, really get it done. Or maybe he was a man of faith and said, you know what? In three months we can finish this. But I would venture to say that he wasn't willing or, or, or wanting to place God in a box and restrict what God was able to do and just said, you know what, God, I'm going to be obedient to the dream that you've placed in me and I'm going to step out and I'm going to trust you to make it happen. How cool is it, though, that at the end, that, that the miles of wall were built and completed in 52 days. It was because he stepped out. He trusted God with his dream, the dream that God had given him, right? So this was God's dream in the first place. So God was with him, and he was for him. He had a team. He had covered it in prayer. He had been filled with this dream by God himself. So God is in this dream, and in the end, in 52 days, the wall is completed and finished, and the work is done because he wasn't willing or, or wanting to place God in this box and say, okay, God, if you can make it happen in a year, that would be really great for me. If you could do it in this timeline, that'd be really great for me. But he said, God, I'm gonna trust you, and I'm gonna step out in obedience and in faith and say, God is gonna help us build this wall. I love that when he tells the people like, hey, we, we're, you've seen the city, you know the ruins that we live in. And then he tells them, and this is what God has done for me. The hand of God is on me. He's given me this dream. He's birthed this in me. And then they said, let us rebuild it. So they jump in and they see that God is with him and working through him in the completion of this wall. Sometimes it's easy to be distracted by the amount of work that needs to be done. Sometimes we get these dreams in us and we begin to become overwhelmed by the amount of, of obstacles in our way. We get these dreams. And so I look at the city and I look at, well, we'll start Lake Highlands and East Dallas. I go, wow, there's a whole lot of people here that really need Jesus. There's a whole lot of people that need Jesus where we are. And there's so many things against us. And, and culture is shifting away from church. And culture is pushing back against the Bible. And culture is pushing away from Jesus. And, and, and culture tells us that, that we can't do this and we can't overcome this. If I was to sit back and go, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to be content with where I'm at. I'm going to be okay with what we have. I'm going to be okay with this because it's too much of a task. And if I was to allow that to happen, it would shatter and crush the dream immediately. Nehemiah didn't let the task surrounding him dictate his level of dream. It didn't, he didn't let the task do, begin to overwhelm and dictate his faith. He said, no, God has called me to this. Therefore, I'm going to pursue it, and I'm going to trust God to make up the difference. And that's where we are as a church, that, that we're in an area that says, sure, there's a lot of obstacles. There's a lot of things against us. But I look at it and say, man, there is a lot of opportunity 
There's a lot of opportunity to see God do incredible things. And if we begin to restrict or allow the world around us to dictate our level of dreaming, the enemy wins. We can't put God in a box and say, okay, God, this is, this is where we're going to dream is just right here in this little bit because we know that we can make this happen. And God is saying, where is your faith? Trust me with the dream. I've given you the dream. Now let me run with it. Nehemiah saw it completed because he was willing to trust God through the dream because his faith was larger than the, the issues he was up against. His faith was larger than, than the obstacles that were in front of him. He said, we can do this by God. And I love that in the end, that when it was completed, the enemy even backed away. And it says, essentially, they lost their pride. They lost their confidence. And they were like, okay, God did that. And so we better back off. That's incredible. I love that. In the end, that's what we want. And when a God dream is fulfilled, everybody else around has to recognize God did this. Not person, not man, not anyone. God did this. Nehemiah saw it completed because he let God complete it. He let God work and move. I have big dreams for Grace Hill. And it starts here today. It starts with obedience. Through obedience, we are giving all of Grace Kids the makeover and the update that it needs. Uh, and we're already seeing progress. Yesterday, we had our work day. And at our work day, we were able to make crazy headway in a lot of the spaces back there and, and, and get some things done and completed. And it's, just, it's so great. So if you've been in our Grace Kids Junior, you know that we had this awesome thing. It was a doorway between the two rooms that we were using like a curtain and a baby gate to kind of keep kids from being distracted and like wander through and switch rooms and all this stuff. So that, that is now gone. There's a wall there. It's awesome. And so next step with that is, you know, texture and paint. And then it, like, it's like as if it never was which is the best part because you go, hey, it's like we never had it in the first place. We did, we, so we did that. We also are, are, are taking back a room that, that we had kind of uh, haven't been able to use and, and, and we, we kills that thing yesterday and the smell was strong. And I'm sure Dan had some pretty interesting dreams last night because <laughs> Dan spent the whole day in there kills in that room and it is not very well ventilated. Uh, so Dr. Greg, if you could examine him afterwards. <laughs> That would be uh, probably beneficial for Dan. Uh, no, so we've seen some great things happen. We, we've, we went in and we reorganized those rooms. We, we got rid of broken and old things and, and we updated with new toys in those rooms for the kids and, and, and helped open those spaces up so that they, they are, are, are more spacious. They're, they're better uh, used for, for ministry with our kids. And, and we're seeing things happen in that space already. People already jumping all in and helping to make those things happen. We're investing into our kids' space. And so we've got work that we're even going to do in Grace Kids that is just some little things still left to be done in there that, that help bring and elevate those spaces to another level so that we do ministry to our kids with excellence. I don't want our children to ever feel like they are second-class Christians in this church. I want them to know that we care about them and we care about their salvation and we care about their growth and, and their love for Jesus as much as we do about the adults in this room. So we're investing in our kids and, and in our next generations. The other thing then is that th with this money, we are also able to launch a, a, a whole new way of doing youth ministry here. And we're gonna call it Grace Youth because it only makes sense because of who we are. So we're calling it Grace Youth and we get to see great things happen with a whole new youth ministry. Pastor Chris and Nina are building their team and, uh, 
uh, obviously they've got Clint and Brittany because we won't let them walk away. And, and so we, we we're building this team and, and, and running after, you know, Lake Highlands High School has given us opportunities already. We've got some incredible, we, had, we made a connection with one of the football coaches there and we're going to partner with the football team and try to take them Gatorades after football practice once a week and just say, hey, we're here to love you guys. So God is opening doors and opportunities for us to reach the next generation. We're going to invest in our students, in our youth ministry, because it matters in the kingdom of God. It matters for the future of the church. It matters what we're doing here. See, this money isn't just to take in money to do things, to pretty things up. No, it is used to reach people for Jesus. It's used to reach people for Jesus. One of the cool opportunities that we have, because I, I, I talk a lot about what we're doing in the church. I want to make sure you understand that this is, this is larger than that. This is kingdom-minded. This is bigger than Grace Hill. This is about reaching outside of our walls. And, and, and if you know me, I have a heart for missions. And, and I haven't talked a lot about missions because there's been other things on my mind as we've been prepping and moving forward. But, but this year, we've been able to add more missionaries. And, and we've had a few come in as different Chi Alpha missionaries. We had the LFs here. And those are missionaries that we've been able to pick up and start supporting. And some of you guys are jumping in and supporting them monthly as well. And it's just incredible what we're doing. But we get to have greater global impact. Uh, a few months back, Lauren and I were invited to go and be part of a, a fundraising event for an organization called Fire Bible. Fire Bible is awesome. So here's it's a crazy thing that you may not know, may not be aware of. There are languages in this world that still do not have a Bible in their language. And there are people who have learned other languages just so they can read the word of God because it is not printed in their language. Here's what's crazy. So I, when we met with them, they said, there is something so different about reading the word of God in your native tongue when it is your language and you get it, you understand it. We, we, don't, we don't get that because we, as English speakers, as native English speakers, we can open an English Bible and we can read it and we go, hey, this, this is great. But, but for people that, that speak other languages and they're trying to make sense of it through translating it back to their understanding of their native tongue where the, the language they think in, it becomes difficult, becomes convoluted. And then there are those places that they go, we don't have access to learning another language. All we have is just maybe one book of the Bible. A lot of times you can get the book of John in several languages. But, but it is restricting their ability to do ministry in the church. It's restricting their ability to grow spiritually. It, it restricts them in their understanding of scripture. And, and, and all these, so they are limited, limited in what they can do um, in their Christian development. So Fire Bible presented to us that there are several needs and their hope this year is to complete eight new languages. Now, here's the thing. It cost a million dollars for the first print. The reason being is all of the man hours involved in the research behind and translating it. It's just, it is extensive. I mean, you think about your Bible, all 66 books, think about every word that's there and then trying to take that from original Greek and Hebrew because they want it to be accurate in those languages. They're not just doing an English to another language translation. They are doing true biblical translation uh, from, from original text into the, the languages that don't have it. In Vietnam, they just received this year, Vietnamese finally received a Bible. Think about that. This is a, a wide sp widely spread spoken language. It's not a, a Vietnamese received their first Bible this year. A friend of mine, is, she's a pastor at a church over there and, and just talked about how incredible it was to see people's faces light up as they received a Bible for the first time in the language. Here's the cool thing about Fire Bible is that it's not just the Bible that they translate. They then add in commentary 
for the books of the Bible. They add in historical facts and understanding of the books of the Bible. They give author information with all of the books of the Bible. They have maps. They have essentially what they do is it's a huge Bible, but they go, here is your Bible and Bible college in a book. So all the information and the wealth of knowledge that they could ever possibly want is now handed to them, not just in their own language, but also with everything that they could want to know, to understand, to better study and know the word of God. It's remarkable. Additional prints get much, much cheaper, right? The first one is just really expensive because of the man hours behind it. So I signed us up for two languages. We're going to give two million. I'm just kidding. I'm making that up just to make sure you're listening. Just make sure you're aware. No, but we, we, we committed to give to them. And out of this money, we get to give to them. We get to be a blessing in the fire Bible. We get to be a part of people for the first time ever reading the word of God in their native language. That's incredible. That is remarkable. They even, they even do languages that, that would be secondary language. So there's a language called Patois, which is a Jamaican language. And so they, they, they're writing in Patois. There's a, a pidgin, which is spoken in Hawaii amongst the Samoan people. Uh, they have a Bible in pidgin, which he read from which sounds really awesome. And I go, if I spoke pigeon, it would be really great, you know, but I don't. So, so they're thinking and, and looking at all of these different uh, people groups that don't have the word of God in their language. And they're partnering with other organizations doing the same thing. They're one of many, but we get to be a part of spreading, not just literally spreading the gospel, but giving the word of God in other languages. That's what All In helps us do. So when I say it's not just about us locally, this is about a global mission and and reaching outside of our walls. I want you to understand, I believe heavily and firmly in the word of God and getting it in the language of people so that they can in turn learn the word of God and and walk according to that. I'm behind that 100%, 100%. Today is Commitment Sunday. Today is our, our, our chance. We've been praying about this. We've been talking about this and, and asking God to speak to us. And, and now we have an opportunity to be obedient and say, God, lead us. Today's a big day for Grace Hill. Today is a day that can set us up to begin to see the dreams fulfilled that God has placed not only in my heart, but in the hearts of many of you here today. Today requires trust, obedience, and above all, faith. In just a moment, we're going to grab the commitment cards and you have them there, uh, the slips there that, that, that we can fill those out. And what we're going to do is we're going to hold those. We're not going to just jump straight in and just fill out and just put a number on it. We're going to take time in just a minute and we're going to pray. We're going to take a moment and we're going to say, God, lead us. Lead us. Speak to us. What are you wanting from us? What are you wanting us to do? What are you wanting us to give in this campaign? What are you wanting to make happen so that we can be the church that you are birthing in our dreams? So if you do this, grab that card and stand. Stand with me for a moment. Just say, God, this morning, Lord, we bow our hearts before you Lord, and we open our ears to hear from you and we say, Lord, what is it that you're speaking to me? What are you speaking to me? 
What are you saying to my family? Lord, what are you challenging us to give? What are you challenging us to do so that your kingdom can be expanded? What are you challenging me to do? What are you challenging our family to do? What are you challenging our home to do in order to see your kingdom expanded, to see your vision go forward, to see your dreams in us fulfilled? Lord, we don't take this moment lightly. We don't take this moment lightly. We step out and we say, God, we trust you today. And whatever you lay on our hearts, we want to be obedient to do. Whatever you lay on our hearts, we want to be obedient to give. We're going to trust you in this. Because we know, God, that you will care for us through this. So just take a moment right now and just begin to, just begin to ask the Lord, Father, if I've missed what you wanted to say, if I have not heard what I want to know what you have to say. I want to know what you have to say. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God, and we want to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc.